0: The free-for-all roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think.
2: Round one.
1: On round one, Sabrina Nanji is here with Queen's Park Observer, Matt Gurney, journalist and co-founder of The Line, an online magazine. John Burnside is here, Toronto City Councilor. So, where to begin? There's a lot of good discussables today. Perhaps we can begin with something that made a lot of people's hearts sink. But I, I can't get all that you know, exorcised about Ontario Place. To be perfectly honest, I mean, I hate them tearing down trees. But Mac Gurney, I'll start with you. Something's got to get built there, and I, re- you know, I'm not that opposed to it being a water park.
2: No, I think it's very, very important, John, that you and I, everyone else in the city, all 8 million people in the Toronto metro area, we need to devote 130% of our time, energy, and attention to this issue for the rest of our natural lives. (laughs) Look, I'm with you, man. Look, I, I don't like the process here. I don't like the process with Ontario Place. I think this government is sloppy. I think it has a habit of veering into the needlessly shady, almost out of reflexive muscle memory at this point. Like I don't pretend to know what the hell is wrong with. These guys, but also I, I, I just don't care that much, and it's not to say that I'm I'm blind to the, the broader issues here, but we have so many things to worry about in this province. And I think we tend to gloss over the fact that the last time I went to Ontario Place before it closed and I was there for uh, an event, I was shocked by how terrible it was. And there's, there's no other way to put this. We in this country and in this province have a, have a weird habit of taking existing pieces of infrastructure, completely driving them into the ground and then being absolutely furious about whatever the ultimate proposal is to fix the spot or to convert it to some other purpose, maybe the lesson for all of us here on a deeply spiritual level is let's just take care of our things. Um, John Burnside,
1: I keep on hearing in uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice, it's as if the voices, uh, 850 trees and voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Uh, Well, you know, I think... um People love their trees. City Hall loves
0: their trees. We will debate uh, 200, keeping a 250-year-old tree up uh, longer than we will a $15 billion budget. We bought that tree, didn't we? Yeah, I think ultimately we did. But literally, we, that was a half-day discussion, whereas I think we talked about the, our city budget for the same amount of time. At City Hall, we will discuss. We will fight to keep up a scraggly old tree, even though the person has to replace it with five. Um, I will say that this will be a story for a couple of days, but I think it's ultimately going to go away. Um, It won't have the same legs as the Osgood Hall did uh, because um, Mir Chow gave her tacit approval. And the pe peop- um, by the word, by the way that's your word of the week tacit tacit uh, understood or implied without being stated, um, and she's really taken the wind out of the sails of those who would normally oppose the destruction or cutting down of these wonderful eight hundred and fifty trees.
1: Sabrina, and Angie, is it really almost a fetish or a preoccupation this focus on the trees, or is it a tragedy that they started coming down this weekend?
3: I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think to Matt's point, um, you know, a lot of this seems to be the Ford government's, you know, a problem of its own making here. I mean, they could have communicated a little bit better on their plans for Ontario Place. They could have definitely been more transparent. Um, And, you know, I I do think that this is very important to a small group of people. But as the councillor pointed out, you know, someone like Olivia Chow, who basically came to power in Toronto, you know, promising to uh you know fight these plans even though the city only had you know a limited uh leverage here and sh- she did she did cave and she did walk it back because i think she realizes that you know you have to work with the province and that she saw the uploading of the highways as a major win and i think that that was a, a smart you know political move for olivia chow but there are going to be those people who are really upset about this happening i think either way the government is plowing ahead quite literally on the plans for ontario place and i do agree we needed to do something with the waterfront and the ford government has picked something and now they're running with that i just think that it did not need to be this you know PR failure uh, where they're constantly doing damage control that it really is like they should have been more upfront from the get-go and I will I will add you know the government's line here to these trees being raised so that they're going to plant new ones so I think they should probably get a move on on that too.
1: John Burnside giving up on Ontario Place was the price of admission for Olivia Chow to get the highways uploaded. Do you suspect another Surrender might have been this business of naming a stadium after Rob Ford. That uh, being able to tell the premier in person, by the way, I'm, we're going to go ahead and do this, and I'm not going to stand in the way. That that was a way to curry some favor and get some money.
0: One hundred percent is is a curious thing that it's Shelley Carroll who I believe voted against the the renaming uh, in 2017, and probably Paul Ainsley as well. Now all of a sudden are on board. Uh, so I think it's just part and parcel of a larger deal maybe it's an olive branch to strengthen the friendship, whatever that is,
1: uh, I 100% think the two things are tied together. Sabrina and Angie, do you think that there's going to be much outcry? Maybe it's the passage of time and people only remember the good stuff with Rob Ford.
3: I think that people are going to be as split over this as they were over uh, his term as mayor. But I, I think I'm kind of more interested in the politics of it. You know, as the councillor pointed out, a lot of people are speculating as to whether this is just part of Olivia Chow capitulating um, and and playing nice with the province and the premier uh, because obviously municipalities are creatures of the province and Toronto needs a lot of help right now uh, from, from the Ford government at Queen's Park. So I, I do see this as part of that, uh, you know, playing nice between these two. But I I do think that, you know, Rob Ford was a very polarizing figure for our city. And and this is this is no different.
1: Yeah, Matt Gurney, you and I, amongst many, were working journalists during the whole Ford uproar. And so we may remember it differently. I think there's still an abiding affection for him. So people wouldn't mind naming something
2: after him. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, And I would say, John, that that's part of what I remember. Um, You know, I have my own specific memories of Rob Ford. I have my own specific views of Rob Ford. Um, But I have never forgotten the fact that it is my honest belief that if he had not gotten sick, if the cancer that would eventually take his life had not come along, it is my honest belief that he was cruising towards re-election. And I think... That has frustrated many people. I think some people in the city still have a sense of disbelief. But one of the things I've had to learn, and it's been uh, drilled into me since elementary school, is that what I think is not always or even often the popular view And whatever my thoughts on Rob Ford and his fitness for office were, I think the people in the city were going to re-elect him. I think Sabrina said it exactly right. The people who were the most adamantly opposed to Rob Ford will be opposed to renaming the stadium. But I don't think they're going to be in the majority, even close to it.
1: Matt, let me stick with you for a second. I make no assumptions about people's passions, but I suspect you might be a baseball enthusiast. And uh, are you getting over the hangover with Sohei Otani, who, let it not be forgotten, was reported to have been on a private plane to Toronto. Some people said it had landed and he was here. And of course, it turns out he accepted a $700 million contract with the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, look, I am a sports fan. I'm a Toronto sports fan. I'm a Jays fan. I'm not as, um, I'm not as into the Jays as I am the Leafs, which is the sports team I have stupidly put all my emotional well-being into. Um, but no, you know what? I actually think I was protected this weekend because my own son, speaking of hockey, had a hockey tournament. And the entire plane drama was something I would get, like, Twitter updates on every eight hours. So I didn't get sucked into the the vortex that I think a lot in the way a lot of people did. But I can tell you, and I say this without a word of a lie, I came out of my son's dressing room and I was walking down to uh, pick a, a cozy spot to watch the game. And I could see half the dads and not a few of the moms either staring at their phones looking glum. That's how I found out he had signed with the dodgers. i didn't need, I didn't know the details, but I knew he wasn't coming to Toronto. John Burnside, it was a disappointing outcome,
1: but it was kind of nice to be consumed with something thoroughly unimportant on Friday rather than, you know, all the comings and goings and miseries of the world. It was a wonderful distraction. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm pretty cynical though, to to pay 70 million per season, I guess, or hundred million Canadian for a guy that bats one out of nine times and pitches one out of five days, I think is probably not money well spent. But I think we're also living in a, in a world of hope and dreaming a little bit, all things being equal. I don't think people want to come to Toronto. Our tax rate's higher, although only marginally compared to California. Our climate isn't as good. And if you're a star or a celebrity, Toronto is nowhere near as compelling as LA. So for me, the question wasn't, uh, was it a fight between two cities? It was, was LA willing to pay the money? And uh, I suspected they had the pockets to do so. And so I'd already
1: discounted it right from the beginning. Well, and as Bruce Arthur also pointed out, and Sabrina, you'll get the last word here, um, LA's closer to Japan.
3: I mean, I, I think that my, my co-panelists kind of hit the nail on the head. The only thing I would add here is that it's really exhausting to be a Toronto sports fan. Yeah. And Toronto teams tend to lose in the most like devastating way possible. I think this is just, you know, throw it on the pile.
1: A survey suggests Canadians don't really understand what's in the Charter of Rights. Sabrina and Angie, a third of the people who were polled said, yeah, I've read it. I find even that figure hard to believe.
3: Yeah, I kind of question because, like, I don't know how truthful people are really being here um, in in these these types of surveys or these polls. Uh, but I, I do think that I, I don't know, you know, how important this is in our day-to-day lives. I do think, you know, now, especially in this time, it's becoming more and more relevant. But um, I think that if we maybe had explained it in our civics class as a way, you know, in a way that it applies to our everyday lives, that might help it stick in our, in our heads a little bit more but uh, I, I do question the numbers on this and I think even we've talked about citizenship tests before about how new citizens tend to know more about the country than folks who were born here um, I think if we kind of you know point out the more relevant parts that a- that impact our day-to-day lives, that might stick stick with people more.
1: Well, and Matt Gurney, I, I think we became very familiar during the convoy protests, that when they weren't shouting, hold the line, they were invoking their first, uh, second, and third amendment rights, and fifth.
2: Yeah, um, this is something I, I've just had to learn and accept over the years, which is that 99% of people Oh, I feel like I'm kind of looping back to what I was saying a minute ago, right? 99% of people don't care what I care about, and that's <laughs> fine. But, I mean, in our business, you and I and and uh, Sabrina, the, ca- the counselor, is in a somewhat different position, our job, and I say this with all respect to the listeners because I love these people, we're talking to the nerds. We're talking to the people who get up every morning and they want to know what's happening in the world. That isn't most people. So to find out that a lot of people have not read the Charter and, in fact, probably learned all they know about our constitutional rights from watching Law & Order, that sounds about right to
1: me. John Burnside, last word. I don't really care what's in the Charter so long as my lawyer knows. Well, yeah, and there
0: are are rare occasions when it's good to applaud ignorance, and this is one of them. Uh, As they say, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. If you look at the states, and uh, I can't remember, I think it's the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, whatever that is, whatever number it is. I think it's very dangerous. Everyone thinks they're an expert on that. The endless debate and the outcome, I think, has been horrendous. So I think being in the dark, uh,
1: generally speaking, is a good thing on this. Thank you all. Good to have you today. Matt Gurney, Samarina Nanji, and John Burnside. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.